Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Fight Right Podcast. I am your host, Carla Hoke. This is the Along Came a Writer Network. If you are new to the Fight Right Podcast, it is, oh, a podcast especially for writers who need a little help writing fight scenes. And it is based on the blog, fightright.net, which was just recently named in Writer's Digest 101 Best Websites for Writers, which I didn't know about. And it was a beautiful, wonderful, awesome surprise. First things first, y'all, I'm sick. And I don't mean like coffee, coffee, sniffle sick. I mean outbreak monkey sick. I'm If I were you, my son has been calling me patient zero. Okay, that'll tell you something. So if I were you, at the end of this podcast, I'd wash my hands directly. That's just my advice to you. Okay, first things first, I want to have a corrective experience. I am very, very, very careful and picky on the information I give on my blog, um, in my book. Oh, yeah. Dur, dur, dur. I wrote a book, Fight Right, F-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E, how to, fight, how to Write Believable Fight Scenes. With Writer's Digest, it comes out June 11th, and so be looking for it. The information in there, I was meticulous about it. I had um, professional professional types um, from all different um, areas of fighting look over and make sure everything was correct. And I listened to the podcast after, after the fact, and I listened to make sure I didn't make too many errors. And if I did... If they really just grate on me, well, I go back and fix them. And I, I have to. I'm, I have to. Okay? It's my hamster wheel to run. I want you as writers to know you can count on the crap that's coming out of my mouth. There you go. Episode one, going commando. I said that the sheath for a katana was a thingy. I know this is going to surprise you. That's not the actual term. And the Japanese term doesn't translate as thingy. It is called a saya. I knew that. How did I forget that? I don't even know. Speaking of forget, uh, when you're an outbreak monkey, you lose your train of thought. So if at any point I just go off on a tangent, y'all just be patient. Go with me. I'll come back at some point. In that same episode, I also said that judo was a great reference for takedowns. Oh, and that's not technically correct. It's not totally wrong, but it's not technically correct. And the thought has been like nails down a chalkboard in my head. Have you seen Jaws? That's one of my favorite movies of all time, Jaws. I saw that in the theater as a kid. And I was raised outside Pensacola, Florida, you know, Gulf of Mexico. My parents took me to a theater to see Jaws. Now, if that doesn't explain why I need so much therapy, well, then I don't know what does. I was so scared of sharks as a kid, I wouldn't let my foot go off the edge of the bed. I watched the drain in the tub. And before you say, how's it going to come up in the drain in the tub? Well, it happened on Carol Burnett. And so I knew it could happen in real life. 
And you see what I'm telling you? Tangent. Anyhow, anyway, uh, the thought is like Quinn in the back of the room putting his, oh, putting his nails down the board. Every time I think of me saying that judo is a good reference for takedowns, I hear that. What is the difference in a takedown and a throw? Well, I think I know. Pretty sure I knew. But I always defer to people who are a whole lot smarter than me. And in this case, I defer to a guy named Kent Peters. He is a judo black belt and a jujitsu X-man. And he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm not saying this for his benefit. He is a fantastic human being. He is very well known in the jujitsu community. And trust me, one day... He'll be a legend in the jiu-jitsu committee, not just because he's darn good at jiu-jitsu and judo and teaching and a good coach. I'll tell you what, that man has got some hustle. He is on top of things. I don't care how many questions he gets a day. I don't know. I, I can't even begin to guess how many people send him messages. But you know what? He answers every single one of them. And he is incredibly gracious with me on asking questions. And I have asked a gracious plenty. When I ask him, you know, what's the, on Instagram, his name is the Kent Peters. If you love jujitsu, if you love fighting, follow him. Um, he's with Zombie Proof Jiu-Jitsu, Supernatural Survival Gear. Follow him. He's hilarious. I call him the, because apparently that is his first name. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the Kent Peters. And so I said, the, I have a question for you. What's the difference in a takedown and a throw? And I figured it would take him, I don't know, a human amount of time to answer. But so help me, it was like he had it, you know, he just copied it from somewhere in the universe. And he, he got back to me. He's an X-Man. That's all there is to it. He said, first of all, he said, I didn't need to go back and correct this. I need to get over myself, but I can't get over myself. And you know what? He's meticulous, too. So there you go. Uh, he said, in a takedown. You make connection with the opponent, and you both go to the ground, okay? So imagine me running up, putting my arms around your waist, taking to the ground. That's a takedown. I'm maintaining connection to you. We both go to the ground. Or you maintain connection with the opponent's lower body as they go to the ground. In other words, reach out. I grab one of your legs. You go to the ground, and I'm left standing with your leg. That is a takedown. In a throw... You maintain a grip on their upper body as they go to the ground. So I grab your collar. I take you over my back, take you to the ground. That's a throw. If you go to the ground with them, it's still a throw, but a sacrifice throw as you're sacrificing the dominant top position. So grabbing the upper half of the body, taking them to the ground. Ideally, one throwing is left standing. If they go to the ground, it's a sacrifice throw. And I shouldn't say ideally they're left standing. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if your character is in a self-defense situation, it is more advantageous for them to be left standing after their opponent goes to the ground for the simple fact they can run away. Me personally, I prefer sacrifice throws. I don't know why. I feel safer. And uh, that's just – judo players don't attack legs, by the way. So that's not even an issue. Okay. I also said, um, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so what does all that mean for you writers? Rewind back up. Outbreak monkey, okay? Give me some, give me some latitude here. 
if you are crafting a fight scene and one character needs to go to the ground, you need to decide how you want them to go to the ground. If you want the aggressor to end up with them, uh, I suggest that you research takedowns on the YouTube. If um, like a single leg or double leg sort of takedown. If you want the aggressor to remain standing, which is a really good idea, like I said, if you want them to run away, I would definitely give judo a look. And the beautiful thing about judo is, well, fighting in general, fighting is physics. It is not necessarily about who is faster, who is stronger. Not necessarily. That always has an impact. Don't get me wrong. But uh, in judo, a smaller person can definitely throw a larger person. No question. Okay. Episode one, experience corrected. Podcast two, you better have a great saddle. Um, I called my friend Kurt McCune a blade master. Again, not totally wrong, but it also doesn't give him all the cred he's due. It's more correct to say he is an edged weapon expert, and he is a master of um, Heron Arnas Eskrima uh, and Bahalana martial arts. Yeah, all that. Um, those are all Filipino martial arts style, and they include not just edge weapons. You got sword, stick, knife, and there's also empty hand techniques. Kirk is one of the nicest people. Folks, if you are not in the fighting world, you know, you look at fighters sometimes or people that have very specialized weapon knowledge, and they can seem a little bit intimidating, you know, especially if they've got you know, black eyes, big cauliflower ears. <clears throat> and uh, let me assure you, some of the most dangerous people I have ever met in my life are without question the kindest people I have ever met in my life. Fighters are, they're just, they don't fight for one. People have this idea that, you know, folks like MMA fighters just go out and pick fights. That's, that's just not the case. The more you are trained, the more sparring and fighting experience you have, the more patience you have, the more, certainly the more self-control you have. And you just have a patience for humanity. You know, um, if they do get in a fight, it's not going to be a long, drawn-out, you know, Jason Bourne movie sequence. That is, that's just not how fights out in the real world are. Now, have I seen a million fights on the street? No, I haven't, but I was a high school teacher, and I broke up a gracious plenty fights, and they really don't go on as long as you think. Now, if there's a crowd around them, egging them on and pushing them back into it, yeah, and if it's women, whew, uh, in my experience, female fights go on a little bit longer than male fights. I was never um, terribly intimidated on breaking up two guys fighting. I don't know. Well, part of that's I'm crazy, but they're, um, especially if they knew me, you know, if they heard me yell at them and I, I would say, I'm coming in, I'm coming in, I'm coming and I would break them up. I, I just wasn't terribly concerned about the guys punching me. I would not break up two females fighting for nothing. I just got everybody back to a safe distance, you know, and I waited for somebody much bigger and braver than me to jump into that craziness. Um, back to Kurt, Outbreak Monkey, train of thought, my bad. 
I met Kirk, he was doing um, an edge weapons workshop at the jujitsu gym I was training at at the time. And I knew he was coming. I didn't know. I'd never met him. I knew who he was. Again, never met him. He didn't know me from Adam. And when I saw him come in, I excused myself from the jujitsu floor immediately. I had the permission of my coach. I wasn't just going to, you know, wander off. But, I mean, jujitsu class had just started. So it wasn't like, oh, there was only five minutes left. There was, oh, gosh, good 30 minutes left. And I went uh, and I sat down in front of him on the floor like a five-year-old and introduced myself. And I just asked him questions. And he answered questions for 30, 45 minutes. He did not have to indulge me like that. He's just a lovely person. And he's one of the pros that vetted the Fight Right book. Um, Anything about edge weapons, I have – it's divided into five rounds, the book is. And each round has to do with a broad subject. And one round, I believe it's round four, has to do with weapons. And the section that has to do with edge weapons, I have I have one whole chapter on swords. I promise, whole chapter on swords. And then I have one on knives. And Kirk read them, and he approved of them. So you know you can count on them. If you want some reference for knife work or blade work, there's two that I suggest. I suggest Kirk McCune. Look him up on YouTube, K-I-R-K-M-C-C-U-N-E. Again, you'll see um, key phrases like Bahalana, B-A-H-A-L-A, new word, N-A, although I've seen it as one. Or you look up Filipino martial arts. Um, if you are specifically looking for HEMA-type stuff, historical European martial arts, look up um, Scola Gladiatoria on YouTube. Hold on. Outbreak monkey needs some water. Speaking of outbreak monkey, how do you peel a banana? And I ask you that because my daughter peels her banana from the monkey end. And I ask her, offspring, why are you peeling your banana from the monkey end? She said, it's easier to peel the banana from this end. And it makes sense. I reckon monkeys would know best how to peel a banana. But it's true. Don't. She said, what did she say? She's the funniest person I know. She goes, you see this stem thing? She goes, you try to open on that end. You're just sitting there wrestling. And everybody's looking at you, not able to open a banana, not able to peel a banana. She goes, what does that do for your reputation? (laughs) She goes, but if you go to this end, she turns the banana over the monkey end. And she pinches it, poop, pops open. She peels it, eats it, walks off, like with a mic drop. Anyway, so. Peel your banana from the monkey end. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Outbreak monkey water break. You have heard me mention that I ask Kirk McCune questions. I ask Kent Peters questions. Writers, we have got to be question askers. We have to be willing to say, I don't know what I'm doing here. There is... When people think of a white belt, and if you've never done something before and you are a white belt for the first time, it's intimidating and it's overwhelming. But if you've done more than one martial art, like I have, and you go to a new one and you start out as a white belt, it is the most liberating thing. Um, I do judo with um, a friend of mine who has a black belt in jujitsu. 
And she mentioned that she absolutely loves being a white belt because there's no pressure. Nobody expects you to know anything. There's there's no ego, and there shouldn't be any ego anyway. Any ego doesn't do anything for you. Trust me. I am not burdened by the chains of ego or super, super high, high self-esteem. Just saying. I, I have just the right amount, I think. Ask people questions. If you are in a place and there is someone there that is knowledgeable in whatever subject it is, if it has to do with writing, if it has to do with a certain type of weapon in your work, if it has to do with, I don't know, how a policeman put on handcuffs. If you're in a DMV and you're sitting there waiting and there's another police officer waiting, go up and say, hey, I'm a writer. Can I ask you some writing questions? Ask people. More often than not, they are willing to answer questions. I have never encountered any – okay, that's not true. There is one person – I ask everybody questions. Every, I ask everybody questions. I went to a workshop. Uh, Kathy Long did a self-defense workshop at our gym. And look up Kathy Long, K-A-T-H-Y-L-O-N-G. Uh, she was on the cover of Black Belt Magazine, if I'm not mistaken. She's an amazing martial artist. She was a, a former stunt double, very seasoned bodyguard. And at the end of the class, she asked who had questions. And I'm looking around and nobody's raising their hand. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you people? So I raised my hand and asked a question. She goes, okay, any more questions? Nobody's raising their hand. I'm like, I will throw up my paw and ask a question. And I asked enough questions that she was like, does anybody other than this person have a question? And everybody laughed. What do I care? Because you know what? I got some information I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Okay, but there is this one weapons expert guy that anytime – I run into him, and it's not very often, but when I do, he smiles, and then I can see the recognition on his face, and he realizes who I am and that I'm about to rush him and ask him stuff. And he gets this look on his face like he's just smelled a fart. It really is. And bless him. I'm so sorry I bug him. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry that I bug him like I do. I need to have a little bit more restraint. Next time I happen to run into him, I'm just going to say, hey, how's the wife? How's the kids? And I'm not. I'm going to try so hard not to ask him anything, but ask people questions. If you are at um, a writer's conference, a lot of writer's conferences, they'll have um, open lunch where you sit at the table with um, different authors and publishers and agents. And I sat down at a table one time and my roommate at the conference sat next to me and I looked around and I thought, well, we got we got the shaft. There's no pros at our table. And I looked at the girl next to my roommate next to me. I said, we don't have anybody at my table. She goes, you idiot. You're the person at the table. And I said, oh, okay. And people ask me questions. I don't recall that I got to eat that much. And I don't care because the only reason I had any knowledge on anything they asked was because somebody was kind enough to give me an answer. Always ask questions and listen dear heavens there are few um talents gifts skills whatever in this world as important as listening if you are a writer you have to be a listener and i don't just mean listen with your ears watch people 
watch their face, watch their shoulders, watch their hands, listen to all the stuff they're saying without speaking. Okay, now that is hard in the digital age where people are just, you know, writing messages back and forth. If at all possible, make a human connection with somebody, talk to them on the phone, talk to them in person, and listen to them completely. Don't interrupt them. I have a very bad habit of interrupting, and I'm trying really hard, but it's just my brain is so excited and moving so fast. Hold on, outbreak monkey. I got to take a drink. Um, Don't interrupt them. Just let them talk because they will... Answer questions you didn't ask because you weren't even smart enough to ask at the time. I remember Kirk telling me all kinds of stuff about medieval warfare, and I hadn't even asked him about medieval warfare. And, again, he answered questions I wasn't smart enough to ask. So ask people questions. Don't be shy. I don't care how – okay, I was going to say I don't care how introverted you are. Introverted, extroverted has nothing to do with being shy. It's about how you refuel yourself. If you have had a really tough week and you just want to blow off steam, if you blow off steam by getting together with a bunch of people, you're an extrovert. If you blow off steam by being by yourself, you're an introvert. I am a hardcore introvert. Uh, People make me tired. Being around a lot of people makes me tired. For the people who have been my roommate at different – Writing conferences, <laughs> they know this because I will teach or I'll take uh, one-on-one mentor appointments and then I just disappear. I am gone. I just have to get away from people. If you are a person that is shy, <clears throat> you're just going to have to put that in your pocket for a few minutes and ask people questions. One guy who I know is very shy came up to me at a conference because he would hardly – make eye contact with me and he just um I don't know maybe maybe he's on the spectrum I I don't I don't have a clue but he asked me if I would like to play swords do swords with him sword fight he said you want a sword fight I'm like yeah I want a sword fight that's like do you want whipped cream on your coffee heck yeah I want that why are you even asking that and so he and I went to this little area of the hotel and we just we had a sword fight all because he asked so just ask. Being a white belt is liberating. It really is. So embrace it. Okay, what am I even talking about? Oh, we're still in a corrective experience. Glory, I have not even gotten to the question for today. Um, <clears throat> I said in that episode, episode two, that fighters have a hard time saying they don't know something about fighting. Actually, I meant to say writers have a hard time saying they don't know something about fighting. I don't mean to pick on boys, but gentlemen, sometimes you have a hard time. It seems more so than the ladies. When I go, when I work at writers' conferences, I have one-on-one appointments with people. That means they can sit down with me, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15. I try to do 15-minute blocks, and they can ask me questions, pick my brain on stuff. And more often than not, the women sit down and just say, "Um, I don't really know what to ask. What do I do? The men not so much. Let me relieve you of this. You you aren't born knowing how to fight. Um look, up until 8 years ago, I knew absolutely zero about fighting. 8 years ago, I was writing a book that had some fight scenes, which by the way, that book was repeatedly almost published. But it's turned down again and again and again and again. 
I'm so thankful it was turned down. I mean, at the time, it so sucked. It did. I was like, what? you know, this is such a huge waste. Why did I do this? If that book had been published, then I might not have continued on with martial arts because I might have been busy writing a second book or doing something else. I got into martial arts because of that book. Again, I needed to write a fight scene. I didn't know how. And my kids were in Taekwondo at the time. And <clears throat> their Taekwondo gym had a self-defense class. It was a Hapkido-based self-defense. That's a um, Korean martial art. And I went to the first self-defense class, and I just sat and watched because clearly that's all I needed to do to learn how to fight was was watch. That's all anybody needs to do. You know, surgeons learn to do surgery just by watching. And uh, I also didn't want to be in the class because it, it just – I did not like that energy. I did not like that aggression. It made me super uncomfortable. I have been an athlete my whole life, but um, I was a runner and I did triathlons and in college I did year-round intramurals, but I never did anything that had to do with one-on-one -on -one aggression. And I did, I did not care for that business. I was not getting in that Thunderdome. Well, after a few more classes, and, and the coach was so nice, he would always say, hey, you want to get in? And he would hold out this fake gun to me because it was street defense. They would do gun stuff too. Hey, you want to get in? Offer me this gun. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm okay alive over here, Tina Turner. That's fine. I don't want to get in the Thunderdome. And, uh, oh, gosh, see, I'm making old people jokes now. If you are anywhere over the age of 35, you do not get that joke. It's from the original Mad Max movies. You may not even know what Thunderdome is. Two go in, one comes out. Eventually... I did get the guts up and I got into the self-defense class and it scared me senseless. If you've taken any of my workshops or if you've done my self-defense classes, you know this story. Um, it, it made me cry. I got really upset and I said I, I wouldn't come back. And, um, and so I came back and then the next class I, I cried. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't come back. And so I quit. I, I kept not coming back week after week after week until I quit crying about it. And um, from there, I went on to a whole different thing. I think at this point, it's like, I don't know, 10 different. Every time I count, it's either one less or one more. I'm going to say 10, 10 different things. And it was all because I wanted to know how to write a fight scene. If you think you don't have what it takes to do something, you're certainly never going to have what it takes to do something if you don't do it. So my thought is, Keep doing whatever it is you don't think you have what it takes to do it until you do have what it takes. That book, um, yeah, that book started me on a journey with martial arts. And I actually met my current agent because of that book. I may not get to a question today. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, outbreak, monkey break, hello. Okay. I went to my first writer's conference, and there were several hundred people there. And um, you generally, they allow you to make two, maybe three. I, I don't know of a conference where they've allowed people to have three appointments, but you are allowed to make professional appointments. There's, there's classes and workshops and all that kind of stuff you take too. And in, in, in the midst of all that, you can make a one-on-one -on -one appointment with an author, agent, editor, uh, a social media marketing person, um, mentors, just somebody to help you uh, with your writing. And I made an appointment with a guy who I have kept his card all these years. And I actually did write him a thank you for this like two years ago. 
okay, let, I don't need to get ahead of myself. So I sat down in front of this guy, and he worked for a publisher. I forget if he, uh, if he was an acquisitions editor or what he was. But I told him, you, you do what's called a pitch. You tell them what it is you're working on, and they it's a very long process getting your book accepted. You do a pitch, and they say, yeah, I like it. And then you might send them a query. That's where it tells you a little bit more about it. And they're like, okay, tell me a little bit more. And then you may send them a one-page synopsis. And they're like, all right, give me that. And then you may send them a two-page. It is a very long dance. And so I sat down in front of this guy, and I did my pitch. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but – I know he told me that, no, I guess I irritated, you know what, I, I'd say that he was in a bad mood or somebody peeing his Cheerios. It may have just been me. I'm confident enough to say, hey, he may have just not liked me. I'm okay with that. Not everybody's going to like you. If everybody likes you, you're in a cult. That's all there is to it. And he told me that nobody was going to read my work and I needed, I, he didn't tell me to stop writing. He, he talked about the book. He's like, you need to forget about it. Nobody's ever going to read your work. And in that moment, I had to make a decision to accept what he said and just be polite and nod my head because we're in a, a room full of people that are having appointments, you know, just like me. And they're all being uber grown up and professional and, and not getting loud. Well, that's not always been my strong point, and I don't remember how it escalated, but it did. It, that appointment ended with he and I both standing up and pointing at each other and speaking loudly, and I wasn't, I wasn't going to accept that. I wasn't going to accept that nobody was going to read my work unless he was nobody, and yeah, okay, you're not going to read it, but you don't get to speak for everybody else. Well, the guy at the next table looked over at us pretty wide-eyed. It's a guy named Steve Lobby. I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. I I ended up in a, with an appointment with Steve Lobby. I did not schedule an appointment with him. Okay. Again, this is my first conference. I'm standing in line, the appointment desk line. And um, you go, you make an appointment, you request an appointment, and then you have to go to the appointment desk and figure out what time because, you know, you got to work it out with different classes and, and other yada, yada, yada. And the person in front of me or the person in front of them uh, canceled their appointment. And so I asked the appointment desk guy, I said, well, what happens to this appointment right here? He said, well, it's open. And I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, somebody can take it. And I said, can I take it? And he said, yeah. I said, I already have two appointments. He goes, that's fine. It's open. They're just sitting there. I said, okay. He goes, what do you write? I said, I write speculative fiction, you know, dystopian, fantasy, sci-fi, weird stuff. And he goes, well, this is a, a romance editor. I said, I'm, I'm okay with that. My, and my thinking was I could throw my pitch at this person because they knew more about the writing world than I did. And at the very least, they could say, your pitch is not interesting. This is how I would change it. And then I kind of hung around the desk, and somebody else canceled appointment. And I said, what's going to happen to that appointment? And he said, it's going to be open. Are you going to take it? I said, I, if I can. And uh, I kept hanging around. Bless that man. I was like a cold sore just sitting there staring at him and uh, anytime somebody would cancel he would just look over he goes I guess you want this one and I said if I can have it and one came open and he said well I said I don't even know who that person is and he gave me a look and instead of me writing my name down the man got the sheet 
and he wrote my name down. He goes, you need an appointment with this, this guy. This guy's Steve Lobby. And I said, who is Steve Lobby? And he laughed. He goes, have you not been to any writing conferences? And I said, mm, how'd you guess? How did you know? Uh, he said, uh, look him up. And so I did. I looked him up, and he, at that time, was the owner of a literary agency. He represented authors, a couple hundred different authors, and um, been in the writing world. At this point, he's been in the writing world, oh, my gosh, I want to say more than 40 years. Steve, if you're hearing this, I might be making you older than you are. But come on, Steve. We both know you're a million years old. Okay, so I'm going to say 40 years. Um, he's been in the marketing, the publishing, the edit, you name it, he's been a part of it. And so I sat down with Steve Lobby and I pitched my book to him and um, he was interested. And again, that book that I pitched to him is why I got involved in martial arts in the first place. Steve ended up turning down that book <laughs> And he and I would see each other at conferences every year, and I would joke with him, and I'd say, when are, when are you going to represent me? He would say, when are you going to give me something to represent? And um, every year that I saw him somewhere, I made a point to go and speak to this guy. And I'll admit, he's kind of an intimidating-looking guy. He's pretty tall, pretty tall guy, and he has that look on his face that just lets you know he knows more than you will ever forget in your whole life. No, let me say that again. He has probably forgotten more than you'll ever know in your whole life. But I always kept in contact with him. And um, uh, I actually sent him my Fight Right book, and he turned it down. Because I need to do a podcast on how that book came to be, because you want to talk about a crazy road. Um, <clears throat> Steve also owns a publishing company at this point, and they publish books on craft, like Writer's Digest does. And he loved the book. And he loves me. He does. He and I get along really well. At this point, I mean, we had been seeing each other through the years, like seven years. We would catch each other at conferences and, and shoot the breeze. And uh, He had to turn the book down because it just wasn't, you know, the finan financially the best step for them right then. And he goes, but I think it's a good book. And if Steve had not turned down that book, I would never have submitted it to Writer's Digest. And I told him, uh, well, I'm going to send it to Writer's Digest. And he laughed. He goes, well, I think it's a shot in the dark, but good for you. I think you should do that. You know, here's the thing. If you grew up in the country, you know good and well a shot in the dark hits something. So I say take a shot in the dark. I say wait at the, wait at the um, appointment table and pick up whatever appointment it is. I say be willing to stand up and stand your ground on stuff. Be willing to do the hustle. Be willing to take no. Um, yeah, there, you're going to have books that get turned down. You're going to have ideas that get turned down. You're going to have people look at you and say, nobody's going to read your work. And you know what? Good. It's a good thing because you've got to have pushback. A tree that's never been hit by wind is a weak tree. A tree that has been through, if you're from where I am in Texas, if you're around the Gulf area, if you're, you know, where there's hurricanes, you know the trees that make it through the hurricanes. You know, it's not, not necessarily these big hardy oak trees. Oh, my gosh. Those, those, those suckers get turned over, and they just have these millions of miles of gnarled roots sticking out. You think, how did that get pushed over? Well, because it was too stiff. It was too rigid. It was too stubborn. Then you have a pine tree. You know, if, if for all intents and purposes, pine trees just don't seem like that important of a tree. They don't offer a heap of shade. They got pine cones everywhere. They get 
sap on you. I do like the smell. I do like the smell. You can't even climb a pine tree, okay? But when a hurricane comes through and the wind starts blowing, a pine tree bends. And then when the wind stops, it gets back upright. And you have to be like that as a writer. You have to be like that as a fighter. Fighters, if, if I do have a random fighter listening to this, you're going to get beat. You're going to get knocked out. You're going to get submitted. You're going to get thrown. And you need to let it happen. Because unless those things are happening, you don't know where you need to get stronger. Fighting and writing, oh, my gosh, they're so similar. Writers, unless somebody goes through and tells you where your mistakes are, you're just going to keep making those mistakes. Fighters, okay, the, the, my friend that I do judo with, oh, my gosh, I love her jujitsu. And when I started as a white belt, I would roll with her. And she armbarred me again and again and again and again. She, boy, she wrong side armbar makes me crazy. And I said, why do you keep armbarring me? She goes, because you keep letting me. And I'm like, I'm not letting you. She goes, you'll keep letting me armbar you till it hurts. And sure enough, next armbar, she popped my elbow. And she was a brown belt at that time. And she knew how much pressure to put to pop it, to hurt me, but not injure me. And you know what? I, I quit giving up my arms. And to this day, I don't, I don't get armbarred that much. If she hadn't done that, then I would have been armbarred a million times because nobody would have taken the time to point out where I'd gone wrong. Embrace the rejections. Failure and rejection are not bad things. They are awesome things. If you listen to the podcast Tribe of Mentors, if you've read the book Tribe of Mentors, Tim Ferriss interviews different professional people from, I am running out of room, uh, run out of room, out of time, whatever. Sorry, outbreak monkey. I need a break. He interviews um, very successful people, different walks of life, and he asks the same question over and over. And one of the things he asks is, what's your best failure? And they'll always tell you it was that failure that turned everything around. So if you are a writer and you're struggling, if you're getting turned down right or left, if, if you're a fighter, martial artist in any way, and you keep getting punched, you keep getting swept, you keep getting submitted, you keep getting thrown. Embrace it. Embrace it. Because every time it happens, you're getting better. That's how I see it. If you're not willing, writers, if I have it on my on my Instagram page, Carla, I don't even know my own Instagram name. That'll tell you something. Carla Seahoke. One of the things I have on there is a writer who ex- expects to not, you know, be corrected in their writing is like a boxer who expects to not get punched. It's part of it. And I know it hurts because writing is such a personal endeavor, but you know what? Take it. I did keep that agent's card. I kept that agent's card that told me nobody would ever read my stuff. And after I signed my contract with writer's digest, I sent that guy an email and I told him, I I knew he didn't remember me, but I told him what happened. And I thanked him for telling me nobody would ever read my work. Because it wasn't until he did that that I realized how much I wanted to be a writer and how deep I was willing to dig in my heels. And I sent it off, and it was bounced back because he was no longer at that company. Take that for what it is. Maybe he went on to bigger and better things. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't an acquisitions editor anymore. I don't know. But what I did know is I was still in the fight, and I was still writing. I got like five minutes left. 
my gosh, how long have I been talking? Y'all can't let me talk this long. Somebody is going to have to call me and say, hey, settle down. You need to stop talking. You know what? I'll get to a question next time. We'll just consider this episode a corrective experience. And uh, me kind of going off and giving you a little, I don't know, pep talk. That's where ways. Don't give up. You know, it's like you're lost in the woods and you're just looking for the road. The moment you give up, the road may be on the other side of the trees. The day you give up may be the day before the success. So don't give up. Keep picking yourself up. Anybody can get punched and knocked down. Anybody. But not everybody's willing to get back up. So get back up. Enjoy the process. Enjoy being a white belt. Ask questions. And if, and please, 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 please. After this episode is over, go wash y'all's hands because I'm telling y'all, I'm sick. Until the next podcast, Fight Right, uh, the podcast, go to fightright.net. Be looking for the book, Fight Right with Writer's Digest, coming out June 11. Until then, folks, get blood on your pages. I'm straight up sick. I need a nap. <laughs>